The Keyboard Chronicles is proudly supported by Elk Electronic in Australia. Elk Electronic provides high quality service and repair of synthesizers and keyboards and also aims to encourage community interaction and learning through meetups and workshops. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or check out elkelectronic.com.au for more about us. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Keyboard Chronicles, a podcast for keyboard players of the gigging variety. I'm your host, David Holloway, and it's great as always to be here with you. And I'm joined by the inimitable Paul Bindig. How are you, Paul? I'm wonderful. Thank you, David. Great to be here with you again. And I managed to say, see, I didn't do it the second time around. I managed to say inimitable right the first time. Yeah. You just should have quit while you were ahead. <laughs> quit while I was ahead. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, great to be here again. Firstly, a super quick shout out to our gold sponsor, 20books.com, and our three silver sponsors, the Call Chrome user group on Facebook, musicplayer.com, and Elk Electronic. Um, links to the websites of each of these great supporters are in our show notes. And thank you for your support. Um, we'd love it if you could click on the subscribe button and little bell if you're consuming this on YouTube. Also, don't forget our offer to wear your band's T-shirt on the show. Um, see our YouTube channel for details or drop us a line by keyboardchronicles.com. As you can see, um, there's some bands supporting us already. Craftwork, Paul? Not heard of them. Are they some sort of cover band from Australia? or No, there's some some unknown hacks from out of Europe, I believe. Right. David, yeah. And- no, so just to be clear... Craftwork didn't uh, knock down their door and beg me to wear their T-shirt. I, I happen to have this one in the drawer. But, uh, yes, we, we're very excited. If, if you'd like us to wear your band's T-shirt and send us a Absolutely. couple of lines about your band, we, we're happy to spread the love and, and tell all our listeners and viewers about you. And I'm also um, like to do a shout-out to the Moogs who sponsored me this um, this episode. So go the Moogs. <laughs> Um, it's a pleasure to introduce our guest uh, for this episode, Brother Paul Brown. Now, Brother Paul, if you've managed to see him live with the Water Boys or in other guises, um, is a massive talent and energetic presence on stage. Um, he's, as I said, he does play keyboards with the Water Boys and he's held that role since 2013. As you'll hear, that's but a small segment of his career. Uh, he's won a Grammy working with Gloria Gaynor, um, produced a range of artists and undertaken some film work to boot. So Brother Paul's as dynamic to talk to as he's uh, dynamic on stage and we'll think you'll enjoy this interview rather a lot. Enjoy. Brother Paul, absolute pleasure and honour to have you on the show. How are you doing? Man, I am doing great. Thank you. Uh, look, really wonderful to have you on here. So um, as we just said in the introduction, you're, you're an energetic player to say the least, but let's start off um, to see whether you're energetic from the get-go. Um, tell us about your early years, so the childhood of Brother Paul Brown and, and what got you into music. Let's start off with that. Man, I, 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 uh, my, mom, my mom overdosed when I was, uh, when I was 12. And they separated me and my three brothers and put uh, three of us in, in a homeless school here in Nashville, which is where I went. And so um, I came here, man, I was lost. I wet the bed, man. I, I just had really so little going for me. And then, uh, and then in my elementary class, I stumbled across the piano and, and I just, it was like instant kindred spirit really. So no, and and so that and that first experience with the piano, what what set you into the discipline of of you becoming the the player you are today? How how did you keep that relationship going with the piano? Yeah, well, interesting, man. I mean, um, well, it started really when I I was actually because I was a big Kiss fan in the homeless school, right? And so I ran away to go see a Kiss concert, and so I. I end up at this at the coliseum right and i'm i'm noticing that there is really a lot like so many black folks man and i'm like wow i had no idea this many black folks like kiss and so i went in and and i sat sat down and all of a sudden man all these people were smoking weed man and i was getting a contact buzz 
And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, man, <laughs> all I hear was this kick in a hat. Right? And then, <laughs> and then the cat comes out with a diaper, man, and it's Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> and that completely rearranged my thinking. Like, it, it completely sent me on another mission as a, as a musician. It really... All of a sudden, man, I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I love rock. I was a big Aerosmith, ACDC, Zeppelin, Stones, man, all I was like, but man, when I, when I saw Parliament Funkadelic, man, it was like, okay, this, this is where my, it's got to be embedded in my soul. And through the years, I mean, that really had such a lasting impact on my discipline as of a player and the, in the, in my approach to it. Um, even even in my energy, you know. Yeah. So, um, how old would you have been at the time, brother Paul, when you when you had that moment when you when you just snuck off and, and you saw Parliament Funkadelic? How old was, I was that? Fourteen. So so going from sort of that mid teens, fourteen to maturing, and obviously you'd been inspired by that music. How did that then? How did that become? playing in bands, playing professionally. How did that happen for you as a young adult from that, those 10 years? Well, I mean, man, when I, as a young adult, um, it was pretty rough, man, starting out. Um, basically, they had, uh, when I was 17, they had, pretty close to eight, 18, they had, they had, um, I had, I had gotten a sponsor, uh, the, here at the school and her name was Louise Mandrell, you know, Barbara Mandrell's sister. Right. And, and, uh, so she was taking me out on these tours and I was playing trumpet too. So she, I would open the shows with, you know, playing trumpet and then I'd, I'd play piano and then, but then the school started really getting wigged out about, um, about, my treatment you know so all of a sudden they started taking my practice privileges away and and um and uh yeah it was pretty brutal man and so finally i just i couldn't do it anymore man so i scaled down uh the two-story building the dorm that i lived in and i ran away with nothing but a trumpet and a road atlas wow <laughs> and, and that's what i that's what i went to memphis with man i, I and um so through there, man, I think I must have lived in every park in Memphis. And then and then I ended up getting a job on the on the Mississippi River. And uh, and I did that for a while and then and then almost lost my life. I was in one of the most major tugboat wrecks in tugboat history. Wow. And so um, so I left there and then uh, and still, you know, I mean, I, I was still when I first um got the job on the river man i didn't have anything but like a trumpet and a harmonica you know i really didn't have any gear to speak of but then by the time that i left the boat man I, it took me two trips to get all my equipment on the boat <laughs> and um so <clears throat> so when i left there i um you know i worked at all night exxon's man i worked at a car wash i worked um and, and, and then and then i landed crazy enough i landed a job at a music store teaching man and that you know became a, a really important outlet for me man and, and really pushed me to um as far as arranging goes man and in techniques and and really getting more into theory and uh then somehow along the way man uh, um and I can't quite remember how this happened. I, I think I, I must have been playing at a, a talent show or something, but mm -hmm. uh, there's a group in Memphis called Xavion. Do you, did, do you ever hear them, man? They, um, I, no, I don't think I've heard of them, no. They were, they were big in the 80s, man. And um, so the lead singer, Dexter, man, he kind, of, he kind of really took to me, man. And we found that we had the same energy, man. And he hired me. And that was my first ever professional gig man and and it was it was a funk rock group i mean they were a heavy funk rock group do you mind if i share a little bit of it with you go for it no that'd be great yeah please do okay great it definitely give you some perspective here 
Yeah, man. <laughs> that's indeed funky. Yeah, yeah. And so that's so, that, that was your first real band, brother Paul, as far as the first yes, one you were involved in. Yeah. It sure was, man. And it and then it just it and then it all of a sudden I found myself going from there to um Shirley Brown, man, woman to woman. And uh, and and all of a sudden, I found myself just completely immersed in this in the world of Memphis soul, man. It was amazing. And that's and and forgive me if I've jumped too far uh, forward, but I know you did a lot of years and a lot of work with Ann Peebles. Tell us about about that. Oh my gosh, man! Well, it's it's the same thing, man. Um, the the guitar player that was Shirley Brown's uh, guitar player happened to also work with with uh, Ann Peebles, and um, and from then um, I I already worked with J, like Jay Blackfoot man and uh, and and all of a sudden um, I got the call man for uh, uh, Charles Hodges the original keyboard player for High Records that played on all the Al Green stuff. He was he was playing and all of a sudden he couldn't he couldn't go on tour. He and so they call me and uh and and here I am all of a sudden with Ann Peebles filling in for Charles Hodges, man. And it was it was amazing. And as soon as Ann and I started playing together, man, it was just like so kindred. I mean, and we just started on you know so 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 many years of a of a journey together man and um did some amazing records together and 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 we're still i mean we're still so much like family now it's great and and for those unaware of ann's extensive back catalog and history um and please correct me if i'm wrong brother paul but i mean one of the many things that ann's well known for is some iconic hits uh, early on that she continued with in ladies things like i can't stand the rain um i'm having a mental blank on the second one brother paul there's a few of them breaking um, of somebody's home man yeah, uh, yeah 99 yeah. pounds oh man yeah and um oh man and i've got i've got a i've got a video i'd love to share with you for Anne, man i had specially picked this out for you guys man go for and it it's one of those one of those, you know, iconic moments in my personal career, man, where I found myself in the same room on a record with Ann Peebles and the Memphis Horns, man, in the same room playing together. Yeah, all of a sudden from there, man, I, I found myself, you know, playing with Isaac Hayes and Otis Clay, man, and Rufus Thomas and, um, and uh, Al Green. And I mean, it's just the uh, Barquets, man. It's like the list just went on. And I was like, oh, my God, I was just all of a sudden playing with all these amazing soul artists. And this uh, this is a hard question to answer, Brother Paul, but, you know, you, you grew up you got acquainted with the piano, you're playing with these great artists. How much did that change the way you thought about playing? You know, it must've been huge, but you know, what impact did that have on your own playing? Man, that is a great question. And I'll tell you one pivotal moment, man, was happened with me when I was, um, cause, cause I, again, I'd been playing with Xavion and I was playing with the Barquets and doing all these you know, kind of what I call zip sense, you know, where I was like zip, zip, you know, and, and all this really funky, busy kind of stuff. So I'm on this gig and this was like my first gig with Shirley Brown, woman to woman. Right. So we're playing in this club, man. And she's sitting down, man. And she, you know, and, and she's goes into this beautiful song, man. Um, I think it might've been this song called three-way love of love affair, but anyway, in the middle of those songs, man, especially the ballad, she would break it down, right? And she and and she'd start just these beautiful ad libs, man. And me, I'm sitting there and I'm just, you know, playing like funky and vivian. All of a sudden, man, 
without blinking eye, man, she reaches down and she picks up her high heel shoe, man, and she throws and whizzes right past my ear, man. And she didn't say anything on stage, nothing, right? So, so she, so after the show, man, she, she, we did the show after the show, we're back in the dressing room, man. And she goes, man, don't you ever play on top of my vocals, man, because you're going to miss the best notes of your life. And that completely changed how I thought about as a player, you know, like really, really playing behind the singer. The other pivotal moment was when I got with them, man, and I started really kind of, you know, doing some research. I mean, getting ready for gigs with her, right? You know, because I hadn't played it on any records with her together. But just um, how Charles Hodges, man, his approach to, to Hammond B3, man, and, and the high records approach, man, that kind of laid back, you know, um, that laid back soulful feeling, man, that really, there was nothing on top about it. It was, you know, and, and it really moved me to play like that. Like it inspired me to, to kind of whatever I played, whether it was rock or metal or anything, man, it really made me, it inspired me and it felt good in my soul to play more laid back, man, and get behind the groove as opposed to on top of the groove. And that is, that's really how it playing with Anne and people like that changed me. Yeah. Um, I, I can only imagine this, the, the, the playing with those greats, the, the level of influence that it must've had on your approach w- would have been phenomenal. And um, you're not the first player we've had on, on our podcast to, to talk about how do you serve the song? How do you, how do you sit in to make things better? And, and it's not always about playing all the notes all the time. Uh, sometimes it's about being behind, not on top. Uh, brother, brother Paul, if we could just jump tracks a little bit here, you do something <laughs> very, very cool that um, I think our, our listeners and viewers would, would love to know about. You're the musical director for uh, the Dick Wagner "Remember the Child," and um, the memorial concert was something you were the musical director of. And I think our, our listeners and viewers would would love to understand what that is. If you could explain um, uh, the, the, the whole Dick Wagner, uh, Remember the Child, Construct and Music Therapy. And also we're fascinated to know how you became involved in that and your role there. Oh, man. You know, I got chills just thinking about that, man. Just when you said that, I really got goosebumps, man, thinking about that. Because <laughs> I just I just finished the 17th track and video for the series. And what it is. It's uh, it's to it's to provide musical therapy for hospitalized kids, man. And what they what they do is is all these amazing artists come together for the Dick Wagner Memorial Child, and and it's like Kip Winger and Derek St. Holmes, man, and and uh, oh man, so many you know um, Brad Whitford, man, so many amazing artists that that come together for this out of the goodness, goodness of their soul, man, to help, mm. you know, fuel this project. And, and, um, and the, the woman that's in charge, Susan Michelson, man, she's, you know, been the, the front runner, man, the torch carrier for Dick Wagner for so many years, man. And, uh, and, and, and for the and for this project, you know, and, and, um, and, Again, they just kind of discovered me through, you know, through through the people that I was playing with, man. And and all of a sudden, I felt before Dick Wagner left us, man, he all of a sudden I found myself in his presence. And all of a sudden we were doing gigs together, man. Yeah. And then we were doing records together and 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 like um like every like all the soul artists man um dick wagner and i man we just became instant kindred spirits man i mean joined at the hip <laughs> and and so when he when he left when he you know left us um you know susan reached out to me and she was really really wanted to keep this going and really wanted to keep his dream alive man yeah. to help keep you know, this, this going for the kids, man. And so I'm like, I'm all in, man. So yeah, we did two or three of those 
concerts, man, and they were just epic. It's wonderful stuff, and music therapy is such a powerful, you know, force for good um, in the music industry. So, no, it's it's really a wonderful thing. And you just mentioned, um, Brother Paul, touring and not being able to tour. I know you do an incredible amount of, of touring, um, mostly with the Waterboys. So let's let's move across to, to that. So how did the gig with the Waterboys come to be around 2013? Oh man, this is the great story. <laughs> so, all right. So man, I've been playing with Bobby Rush, you know, Bobby Rush, mm. the Bobby Rush. I've been playing with him for quite a few years, man. And uh, we did a uh, couple of records together, three, we did three records together, albums, one of which was nominated for a Grammy. And um, so there's this, there's this, uh, show in lexington lexington kentucky called the wood songs old time radio hour and it's a folk show right and um so the the host michael jonathan who's a banjo player and acoustic guitar player and a singer songwriter um he invited bobby onto the show right to do because we had a, a brand new album to promote and so bobby and i just went and did an acoustic show and I took my B3 and, uh, you know, my Fender Rhodes. And, and uh, so after the show, Michael Jonathan, man, he's like, look, I, uh, I really love the way you play your approach to B3, man. He said, here's the deal. I do one song a night before all my artists. And, and it's, and by the way, it's, it's uh, his shows every, every one, uh, the first Monday of every month. So it's a one Monday a month that he does this show. And, and so he says, I open the show with one song and, uh, and then I bring the artists on it. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll just be on banjo or I'll have a string section behind me, but I would love for you to come play with me for that one song. He said, it, it doesn't pay anything, but I'll set you up at a nice hotel and, um, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll feed you real good, man. So so I did it. So, so man, I went like four or five times, man. I drove from Nashville to Kentucky with my Hammond B3 set up and did one song with him and that was it. So the water boys came out, right. With Mr. Appointment with, with the appointment with Mr. Yates album. Right. And, um, so Mike, Michael Jonathan is a huge uh, Mr. Yates fan. So he invited Mike Scott. They were doing a North American tour anyway. So he invited Mike Scott uh, and Steve Wickham, the fiddle player, to come on the show. And uh, so Mike agreed to it. Now, this is where it gets really good. So all of a sudden, Mike, Mike, John, Mike Jonathan, you know, he was like, hey, man, there's this group called the Waterboys. And I'd never heard of them until then but he said man you know they're a really great group man and i would love to get you on on the show with them if, if they like to man and i'm like sure man go for it so so michael jonathan emails mike scott right and he goes hey man there's this you know hammond b3 organ player and i think he'd really be great to, to join you guys for your for you know on the show right and so <laughs> mike scott writes him back and he goes Thanks, but no thanks, man. We, we don't really need a keyboard player. It's just Steve Wickham and I, man, and we're doing a duo thing. So Mike Jonathan, Michael Jonathan writes him a second time and he goes, no, man, but you don't understand that this guy's different, man. You, you really, I think he would be such a great addition to the show, man. You just should have him on with you. And Mike Scott wrote him back and he said, thanks but no thanks man we're covered in and he said by the way i play piano like i, I play piano so i don't need another piano or a keyboard player so michael jonathan wrote him a third time man <laughs> and he said but you don't understand man this guy is different man and he'll do it for free <laughs> so so check this out so all of a sudden, man, I get a, I get an email from Mike Scott, man. And he goes, Hey, Paul. And I wouldn't even brother Paul then. I was just Paul, you know, and he goes, Paul, you know, I, um, I, I like that, you know, Mike, Michael Jonathan, you know, 
convinced me to let you play with us, man. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take him, take his invite on. And so he sent me the songs. So I get the wood songs, right. And I set up my Hammond B3 on the stage and all of a sudden we're backstage rehearsing for the first time, but not on the Hammond B3. We're rehearsing on my Fender suitcase, man. So none of us have an idea how this is going to go down on stage yet. Like, <laughs> so, so man, all of a sudden, you know, we, we rehearse and that really was my audition. Cause man, if I would have sucked during that, like during just on, on, on the, um, Fender suitcase, man, it, it would have, I wouldn't have got on stage with him. Man. I know Mike Scott well enough to do that. Like he would have done that, but man, we got on stage and, Oh my gosh, man. It was so beautiful, man. And after that show, Mike, Mike said, man, you know, I don't know how or when, but we're going to work together again. And do you know, man, a, a year went by nothing. Then a year later, out of nowhere, man, I get an email from Mike Scott. Hey, Paul, man, we're, um, we're, uh, we're going to record the record in Nashville, man, our next record. And we want you to be a part of it. And we're going to get David Hood from Muscle Shoals Swampers, man, on bass. And, uh, and so the next thing I know, man, where I'm in the studio and we're recording uh, the Modern Blues album. And I have a video of that first performance at Wood Songs. Would you like to see it? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> just for those, and for those unaware of the Water Boys or even those that know the Water Boys from their earlier work, I can't begin to emphasize, and I'm sure you agree, Brother Paul, the impact Modern Blues had as an album as far as this is a band that's always been out there creating great new work but this it's fair to say this is one of the bigger albums of the last 20 years for the water i think so too yeah. yes yeah. i think so too man it the vibe the vibe of it was just unparalleled man it's crazy awesome and and of course again with david hood man oh my gosh you know wow man and 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 before I show this to, this video to you, I mean, thinking David Hood ended up doing two years of touring with us, man. And David hadn't his last tours was with Traffic in 1972, man. <laughs> and he he toured for two years with us, man. It was crazy. So now I'm going to. Um, Oh man, I'm so excited to show this to you. And I'm so glad you asked me about, about that. No problems. And he was only passing through. Hey! Passing through. Passing through. Now that, that was great. So, and, and it really proves what you're saying before about um, the learnings you got from earlier in your career. I mean, that was subtle, but totally filled in the song beautifully. Didn't play over anything. I, I mean, you know, was that one of your first performances? Uh, that one there filmed? That was one of the first ones with, with Mike? That was the first one. It was the first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. That, that B3 playing was so tasty. Mm. It was so tasty. Um, and yeah, very, very understated, but it just added so much. Really, really nice. Really nice. No, you're right, man. It's, it's, um, it's the, 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 the you know, just playing with those soul artists, man. And, yeah. and, and, and making sure that, you know, you kind of lift them up with, with whatever it is I play, man. It really made makes a huge difference in my life, man, in my musical life. Uh, and, I, and I love playing like that. I really enjoy it. It was so soulful. And, you know, Mike, Mike Scott is, is an amazing lyricist. And for our, for our listeners and viewers, if, if you're not a real expert on the Water Boys, I really encourage you to, to listen to some of the music and, and even just read through some of uh, Mike's lyrics there. there he's, he's a poet. And your B3 playing, Brother Paul, really is just just speaking to those words, particularly. And, you know, that song's got some some big themes there. And it just it really yes. it adds a lovely subtext, I think. Right. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Just on Mike Scott, he is obviously a, a massive force of nature. And I'm really interested in how you work together and complement each other. And you alluded to it already when you when you first when you first finally did that rehearsal 
slash audition with the with the uh, the the Rhodes and the B three. Obviously, something clicked, and and you knew that you'd be good together on stage. But how do you work together? How do your energies complement each other when you're working together artistically? Oh my God, man! Our energy is so beautiful, man. It's just yin and yang. It's this. It's so kindred, man, and so much fun. I mean. And we move fast. I mean, we move fast on things. So we're, when we create together, man, it's like, you know, and it, it's, and I love his discipline, man. I love his discipline and, and his ear and his thought and his, his, in his, in his lyrics and, and the way he articulates what he wants, man. And, and I understand it. I get it, you know, yeah. and, and, um, and I know why he hired me, you know, I know why he, he got me, you know, and, and, and I understand that. So I honor that it's for me, it's to honor that every time that we do get together. And it's, it's the same way on the stage, man. I mean, we're just like, you know, <laughs> we're joined at the hip on stage, man. <laughs> Speaking of which, man, can I share one more thing with you? Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah. This is this is this on the flip side, man. <laughs> okay, here we go, and I'll and I'll send this to you by the way. So oh, let me back it up. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah, this this gives you an idea about what goes down live, man, in Waterboy's world. <laughs> here we go. Oh man. So, so, so then man, so, so then my story forks, can I share my yeah, fork? Yeah. In the room? So then check this out guys. Then all of a sudden my story forks, man. So all of a sudden I meet this guy named Mike Ferris, man. Have you heard of Mike Ferris in, in Nashville? Man. Yeah. He was, his, he played with the Screaming Cheetah Willies back. He was the lead singer for the Screaming Cheetah Willies back in the in, back in the eighties, and uh, and so I found myself playing with him, man, here in Nashville. And all of a sudden, you know, like Mike, 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 Mike Scott, Mike Ferris, and I became kindred spirits, man. And um, and all of a sudden, I you know I did a record with him, man, and. Uh, and and spent two or three years on the road with him and and uh and and then through through mike ferris man i was i was supposed to do a gig with mike ferris and for some reason or the other that fell through they they ended up he ended up doing uh, something different uh or he had to go out of town and he goes well man you know i know i can't you can't be with me on this gig but man um Gloria Gaynor's doing an album, man, and I've recommended you for that album. And, and so I was like, great. So next thing you know, man, I'm doing, I'm on a Gloria Gaynor play in the studio, playing on a Gloria Gaynor album that won a Grammy with Willie Weeks on bass, man. It was beautiful. And she's so beautiful, man. And she's so down to earth and, and, you know, and then she's a you know big into me, me, uh, you know Memphis and 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 Peoples and Mavis State. I mean, we just we were yeah, like we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> and, and when you're working on that, I mean, it's obviously even a somewhat different recording project for Gloria. But I mean, your involvement. Did you have any inkling it was going to lead to the success it did in the Grammy when you were doing it? No. No, man, I didn't. And, and I really didn't even think about that because all I was thinking about is that just relishing being in the moment, man, you know, just like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, these so amazing musicians, man. And, and Willie, Willie Weeks on bass, man. And, and, and it just, yeah, I just really thought about how amazing that felt right then and there, man. And, and then when it won a Grammy, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> And then, and then Mike Ferris, man. Uh... You know I'm a man with a fist. I'm gonna use all my wrist. 
Paul, I love that song. I hadn't heard that before, but that is very brilliant. cool. You, you mentioned before when you were talking about working with Gloria Gaynor and you said, look, you know, I was just being in the moment. I was just being present. And, you know, I often think that the greatest gift we can give as musicians to, to any project is to just, just be there and show up for it and give it all of ourselves. And watching you, those couple of clips you've shared, watching you playing live, you have a huge energy on stage. It's, it's, you know, it's palpable what, what you're bringing from a, from a physiology perspective to, to, to the performance. And I'm really interested in, in how you prepare for each gig and you know what, what what's the what's the what's the mindset what's the process what are you thinking about and and what are you uh, what are you attempting to do when you're when you're presenting yourself on stage with with your bands that you're playing well i I've, i i put about a month on a treadmill <laughs> and 500 ab crunches a day <laughs> that's that's my routine man so like april 1st uh, I'm, I'm going to, I have to start getting ready for a tour coming up with the water boys in May. And, uh, and so, but how I get ready, man, is I spend a month, man, just like, and sometimes even two months, just depending. I mean, I haven't toured in a year and a half. So, yeah. but, but yeah, so it's just, you know, lots of water and, you know, lots of focus, man, lots of playing and practicing and, um, and, and just keeping myself in shape. And then when I'm out, uh, it's the same thing, man. I mean, I have, you know, I make sure I know where the gyms are, man, at the hotels. And and uh, and I make sure that when I'm out on the road, man, I, I get my treadmill and my ab crunches in every day, man. And that's really because you're right. It, it's an incredible amount of energy to put out, man. And um, And by the end of the show, man, I am like, <laughs> I've left it all on the stage, man. I bet. I bet. So, so, um, so, yeah, man. It, it's going to be a little while, a little weird, man. This time around, because because in the past, I mean, I've toured every year, you know. So, you know, like a lot of people, man, a lot of musicians, man. That this will be my first tour, you know, coming up in a long time, man. So, you know, I'm, I've got to get the cobwebs on. <laughs> And I'm grateful that I have a studio here, man. And I'm, you know, and I'm doing remote sessions a lot. So that keeps me, you know, keeps me practicing and busy. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of energy to put out, man, and to get ready for, for sure. And and just to, to follow up on that, obviously the physical stuff you do is incredible, what you've just mentioned. If you do do 500 ab crunches a day, that alone is worthy of an Olympic record. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. But, I mean, the mental outlook, brother Paul, you obviously have a very positive mental outlook. How do you, without getting too deep, how do you maintain that on, on what can be very a grueling touring schedule? Uh, man, it's just being around people of the same mind, you know, mm. I mean, I'm just, everybody in the band is, is of the same mind. It's the same beautiful, positive attitude, man. And, and everybody's going for it. Everybody's all in for the same reasons, you know? So I know that when I look across the stage to Mike or to Angus and on bass or to Ian on, on drums, man, I'm, you know, I know, um, I just know, man, I can feel their spirit. And then we're, and then we all travel great together, man. We all respect each other. And it's so much fun to travel with, man. And Mike Scott runs such a beautiful ship, man. I mean, he's that from the tour managers to the production team and everything, it just runs so spot on, man. And, and it's really an honor, man, to be a part of a tour that's run that well, man, with people with hearts that big so it does i mean it, it keeps me it inspires me man and it keeps me in a real positive frame of mind when i'm out there pouring it out that's great and and so i mean you mentioned you've got an up, up, upcoming tour which is very exciting and that's to support the the album coming out on 6th of of may um, do you want to tell us a bit about that album the recording process i mean i've i've listened to each of the singles that come off it again top top quality album you guys are still pumping it out brilliantly just tell us a little bit about the process that's with the album and then the tour coming up uh, all souls hill man that was done r totally remotely man 
And again, you know, Mike had all these brilliant ideas, man. And he would send stuff over, man, for me to just, you know, pour my soul on and, and, and I would send them back. And then, you know, and, and, you know, he, we'd send mixes back and forth to each other, man. And it was such a beautiful way to work and no pressure, man. No, you know, we weren't under any sort of but studio budget, man, that we had to, you know, be in and out at any certain time, man. He would just send me stuff and, you know, I'd be up, you know, whenever and just or early in the morning, man, and just start and working on it. It was so much fun to do, man. That's great. And so the tour that you've got coming up, um, how extensive is it? And let's talk a little bit about rigs. So our listeners do love a bit of gear. Talk, talk about the actual keyboards and rig that you use when you're on tour. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, we have a North American tour now uh, that just, um, just confirmed. And uh, it's just Mike and I, we're doing a duo thing. In, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, and it starts uh, um, early May, and then uh, runs up until uh, mid-May, and then I don't have the dates in my head, so I don't want to I don't want to misquote the actual dates. But then, uh, and then after that, then it's off to Europe, and then we're doing a whole string of dates in Europe, including the Glastonbury Festival again, oh, man. Nice. And I'm, yeah, man, that is a blast to do, man. And um, so um, that one sold out too, I think, Brother Paul, the yeah, Glastonbury. Yeah. So yeah, that's exciting. Sure is, man. And um, so um, I have a Hammond XK system, man. And uh, I've been just with Hammond for so many years, man. Then I have a Yamaha montage, man. That's my go-to. And, uh, and I've been a Yamaha artist for so many years, man. And they're like my family, you know, and, and, uh, and then, um, and then I have a, a Yamaha electric piano and then I have a remote keyboard, man, a guitar that I just can go ballistic on, man. <laughs> I have a long-standing personal mantra, brother Paul, that no one over the age of forty should be allowed to play guitar, and you are the obvious exception to that rule. You were born to play that. <laughs> man, I've I've had one through the years, on and off, man, and I've always connected with one, man, and I and and really, I didn't think I was ever going to get to play one again. I mean, I really thought that my guitar days were over. I'm like fifty-seven, right? You know, and I'm I'm like. <laughs> And, and, and in my, you know, I'm doing soul gigs, man. I, I mean, I did, I had guitar with Xavion, you know, and I had guitars in different, you know, rock bands, but, you know, it's like, but man, I mean, to get to do this again. <laughs> and, and also the Water Boys are not so, a band you would expect that you would see a guitar solo in, but it worked beautifully. Well, see, that's the thing I love about Mike Scott, man, is he's, he's willing to go over the edge with me, man. <laughs> and, and it just works. And he has this beautiful intuition that it will work, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it matches the energy that you're putting out on stage very well. The, that, that whole idea of, of um, being, being untethered as you're playing. So it's, um, yeah. it works really Midi, well. Mini wireless, baby, man. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. that just the that just took me off the leash, man. And I'll do anything. Then. <laughs> You've gone rogue. You've gone rogue. That's so, right. <laughs> so we 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 alluded to this earlier, brother Paul. But for for an aspiring professional keyboard player or someone just doing it for fun. What, what would be lessons that you've learned over, over your journey that you would, you would love to pass on to other, to other keyboard players? Man, you know, stay humble. Humility is so important, man. And do things for the right reason, you know, really mm -hmm. do, do, you know, follow your soul, man, but just do things for the right reason, man. And if you're going to do something, put all your energy into it, put all, put it all out there, man. And, and I know because, and, and you never, you never really know what's going to come, what, what's going to come. So you never know who's going to see you, man. This is really what's so important, man. Every gig that I have gotten y'all, every gig that I have ever gotten is because somebody saw me playing with somebody else, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 
Case in point, man, and this is such a beautiful point to a way to make this point. I'm playing the Dick Wagner co concert, right, as a musical director. And Kip Winger is on the show, right? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Kip calls me, man, to do, you know, invites me to, to be on Red Beach's next album. And, oh. and you know, in Whitesnake, in Winger, I mean... And so it's 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 like it's like that, man. You just never know, man, who who's in there back there, man, watching, you know, and and I that's I'm, every gig that I've gotten, man, is because somebody saw me playing with somebody else and just dug what I'm doing, man. And it's um, a great point. And, and Brother Paul, are there, are there artists that you have on a bucket list of yours that you would love to work with in the future? Is that something you think about much? Yeah, man. Um I'd love to work with Peter Frampton and um, and I'd love to work with Robert Plant. And I really think that we would we would seriously connect, man, if we ever really got the chance to work together, man. Um, yeah, as, those two, as two Australians, brother Paul and um, Paul Bindig, I'm interested in your thoughts, if, if ever, and they never will, if ever ACDC were going to have a uh, keyboard player, it should be this man. Oh, no, no question. Yeah, I, 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 we'd just have to rearrange the songs slightly to, uh, to <laughs> get these in, but, but uh, you would be a perfect fit, Brother Paul, for that. But I, I was just thinking, as you said, um, Frampton and, and Plant, there's, there are also a, a couple of artists that, that I, could, I could actually see that working for sure, the synergy. Paul Rogers. Oh yeah. Man. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. 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 Speaking of those, man, you know, I did a um just did a a, a record with uh, with uh, Deborah Bonham, man. John uh, John Bonham's sister. And we have a long history, man. Deborah and I, man, and we were actually in in uh Ann Peebles and I were were doing a tour and Deborah invited um uh, and to do a, she wanted to do a version of I can't stand the rain so oh. next next thing I know man Ann and I are at Deborah Bonham's house recording a new version of I can't stand the rain and for that song man I'm not kidding you man she goes back in the closet Deborah brings out the tambourine John played on all his gigs man wow and and I played his tambourine through the whole song, man. And by the time it was over, it was so heavy. I had a blister the size of a golf ball, man. And, and then, but wait, check this out. But at the end of it, to end the song, man, she goes and gets a ladder and takes the gong down that John did on us too and caught on fire on Song Remains the Same, pulls it down from the ceiling, right? They make me a makeshift mallet. And then the last thing you hear on this song is me playing John Bonham's guitar. <laughs> it's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah, man. And since then, man, Deborah and her husband, Peter Bullock, man, we have been so kindred, man. And yeah, and it's so great to be a part of this next record that's just about to come out. That's excellent. And um, Brother Paul, we're, we're moving to that segment of the show where we ask some standard questions of all desks, uh, guests, not desks, guests. Um, so the first one being an, uh, a, a train wreck. So where something's gone spectacularly wrong for you on stage, have you got any memorable ones in that vein? Man, you know, I've been anticipating this question since the first of the interview. <laughs> I've been like, I'm like, man, is this one they're going to ask? This? Man, I'm ready for this one. <laughs> okay, so check this out. Okay, I'm doing a gig. I got a gig with Mike Ferris here in Nashville at the Franklin Theater, right? So I just ordered these new road cases for the next Waterboys North American tour, right? The massive Leslie Anvil case and a, uh, a Leslie um, um, a Hammond uh, Anvil case. And so, so anyway, I, I'd never, I'd never moved it around before with the Leslie in it right so so I get to the gig man and I'm and there's no roadies around man so I'm doing this by myself right so I pick this thing up the the the, the wheels of the Leslie road case and I'm backing it up and it slips man and 
and it comes down and chops part of my finger off. Um, wow. In in the in the in the thing where the where the where the where the the little thing where the where the uh, the door comes down on, you know. So, so it cuts part of my finger off, and I'm I'm looking down, man, and there's my finger on the gravel, and, and I'm going, oh my god, man. And I'm like, I've I've got to play, you know. I'm like, what am I gonna do? I've got to play this gig, man. So anyway. They, I ran in, man. They came and they rushed. They, they, they put some, you know, just a makeshift bandage on, and they were rushing me to the hospital, man. And uh, we hadn't even sound checked. I mean, well, I hadn't got my step in right. So, so all of a sudden, Mike, Mike, Mike Ferris calls me and he goes, "Hey, man, I, I just heard, man, that you know, you what happened to you, man? And I just want you to know, man, just, just get, get yourself better. We got it. We got to sub in to work, you know, do the gig for you, man. It's no big deal." And I'm like, "No, no, man, I'm doing this gig. No, <laughs> I'm like, you just have them set my stuff up, man. I'm gonna come back. I'm doing this gig." So I went to the hospital, man, and I said, "I just have one favor, man." If you can, could you have them scoop my finger up and bring it to the hospital, man? Because I'm gonna, <laughs> I was thinking they can put it back on. So, 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 of course they couldn't, man. But, but so that what the doctor did is he shot me up, shot me up with like two nerve blockers, right? And, and then wrap these huge bandages on my finger, man. And I'm like, I call Mike back, man. I'm like, Mike, I'm on my way, man. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm gonna do. And man, I did the gig, man. I was like, and so halfway through the gig, man, I'm like playing like crazy, going nuts, man. And all of a sudden the bandages start coming off, right? And all of a sudden blood starts going everywhere, man. It's all over my keyboard. So, but I'm still playing, right? So check this out. So the security guard was, was that was standing behind the monitor mix saw saw what was going on so he goes back man and he gets a latex glove right so i'm hold he gets me to hold my hand out while i'm playing the gig right like i'm playing and he puts this latex glove on man and duct tapes it to my hand <laughs> and i never miss a beat i'm still playing and then oh man and then by the end of that man by the end of the show man it was like this whole latex glove was just like big balloon of blood <laughs> And, and and by that time the, the the nerve blocker it started wearing off man and oh dude man it was brutal man the pain and so i went back to the hospital man they shot my you know gave me some more nerve blocker stuff and sewed my finger up and and man oddly enough man i, I still have a you know it's a little weird like almost asleep but but crazy enough man a fingernail kind of almost grew back on <laughs> I don't know how, but I got a bit of a fingernail on there now, man. And that's so look, that, I, I'd have to say that'd have to be at least top three, if not the best train wreck story. That's oh, that weird. Surely. Surely. That's that's next time I'll play around. <laughs> 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 oh. oh man. Oh, I'm I'm actually crying, brother Paul. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. Oh um, man! So, uh, as David said, we we have um, some some standard some standard things we ask all our guests, and and one of them is who's a keyboard player that um, you would you would you admire that you would you would love to maybe see us interview on on the show or someone you'd love to learn more about. Oh man, Al Greenwood, man from Foreigner. I mean, the guy, like Al, the Al Greenwood, man, um, he, the, the, the things that he did, man, on keyboards for those foreigner records just blew my mind, man. And I still listen to those and just the way his approach, and you know, I mean, his approach to Hammond, and, but his approach to synth and how it all works and how it all plays to the vocals, man. And um, it, it, I would so love to see him on, on your show man and and charles hodges man uh it would be so beautiful to see charles hodges on on your show man and um yeah i mean al greenwood is just oh my gosh man no great great call no i love it we'll, we'll look into that for sure 
Um, so last last two questions, brother Paul. First one, the dreaded desert island disc question. Five albums that if you had to choose them, what would they be? <laughs> okay, so my top ten favorite albums. Well, let's start with Kiss Alive. This album was huge for me. Uh, Actually, the very first concert that I played in a school for the homeless here in Nashville, I played Detroit Rock City. It was epic, and uh, it was it had a huge impact for me. Number two, Foreigner. Oh man, Cold as Ice. Epic for me. The very first concert that I played. Um, in the school for the homeless i actually opened up the whole show on this huge pipe organ they had in the auditorium uh, with cold as ice so yeah huge impact number three peter frampton oh i love this album i love frampton comes alive it's it's really a tie between this album and frampton comes alive but the uh, songs and the way he used uh, Fender Rhodes, man, was, uh, through the phaser and all that stuff, man, it was huge for me. So, great album. Number four, Aerosmith. <laughs> oh man, Toys in the Attic. This was huge. Another tie between actually this one and Rocks. Um, and again, the very first concert I played in my life in the School for the Homeless, uh, we played Walking the Dog, man. <laughs> and uh, crazy to think that so many, many years later, uh, Brad Whitford and I would actually end up um, playing live together and, and being on an, uh, a, a single together to help benefit uh, music care. Okay. Number five. Wait, let me... <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Number five. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> Another one, man, that had an absolutely epic impact on my musical career. Um, and again, I mean, aside from just lo loving the songs and, the, uh, and his voice, it's the way they use synthesizers, man, Moogs, and the way they used Hammond B3. It was, had a huge impact on me, man. So, number six, Chuck Maggioni. Man, feels so good. One of the reasons I love this record, and one of the reasons I love the single, is because, um, when I was in a homeless school, uh, this country legend, Louise Mandrell, sister of Barbara Mandrell, became my big sister, as you guys know through the interview. The first uh, tour that I ever went on in my life was the one Louise took me on, and um, and she would let me open the song, the show for her with two songs, one on piano and one on trumpet. And, and so I would play Chuck Mangione's Feel So Good to open up the show for her. So it was a huge for me. Number seven, Willie Nelson, Red-Headed Stranger. My, my, my late brother Pete turned me on to this album. We were both working on the on riverboats together on the Mississippi River. When I got it, I got it on cassette. <laughs> and, uh, at night, um, the the pilots would often let me steer the boat uh, for two or three hours, man. And um, and while I was there, they had a great sound system in the in the wheelhouse. And this would be in three in the morning. This would be the album that I would listen to. Uh, I definitely recommend checking this out. Number eight, Miles Davis, Sketches in Spain. Just absolutely brilliant and, and again made a huge impact on me in my musical career. Number nine, Ann Peebles. 
It's actually a tie between this one and and uh, the original I Can't Stand the Rain album. All the songs on this album made a huge impact on my career, getting to play live with her and recreate these on Hammond B3. Her voice, her everything, man, her voice, the, the songwriting, um, her husband Don Bryant, uh, the high rhythm section, uh, Howard Grimes, Al Jackson Jr., Leroy Hodges, Flick, um, Teeny Hodges, and the great Charles Hodges, and Archie Turner, Hubby, Charles Hodges, his hand and organ on all this music, man, had, it really had such a profound impact on my musical life and career. Jao Gilberto. This is one I've recently discovered over the last couple of years. Um, love him, man. Absolutely amazing. And this, last but not least, <laughs> Les Baxter. So, man, I've really become a huge fan of... Um, cocktail music. <laughs> Lex Baxter was such an amazing uh, arranger and uh, <laughs> you have to get this album. It's so amazing, man. And thank you guys. This, These are my top albums and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Great picks. Uh, great, great yeah. picks. Excellent. Um, and then you're, uh, I, I'm sad to report, Brother Paul, the guinea pig for a new thing we're doing, which is we call the Quick Fire 10. And you've actually answered a couple of these, one in particular very strongly, but we'll still go <laughs> through them. So just as briefly as you can, in a couple of words, Paul and I will just tag team firing questions. So the first okay. one, stereo or mono on stage? Stereo. Sitting or standing? standing the yeah yeah no that's good um and you've well and truly answered this one but i'm going to ask it anyway guitars sexy or an abomination oh man way sexy <laughs> <laughs> okay transpose button or transpose live on the fly live on the floor uh x stand or anything else but an x stand what is an extend? Oh, extend, sorry, keyboard stand. Oh, oh extend, anything but. <laughs> God, awesome. I'm so glad you asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, last gig you attended as an audience member? Gosh, I really just don't remember. Um, man. We, we can give you a pass on that one. Would you, man? Because I. And no I'll, I'll, I'll keep mulling this over as we. <laughs> if it pops, if it pops into your head, just tell us. Yeah, that's yeah, no problem. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, best thing about playing live gigs. The the energy from the audience, the love from the audience. Worst thing about playing live gigs. No audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Awesome. I like that. Um, name, name one thing you'd like to see invented that would make your life easier as a keyboard player. A stronger MIDI signal for wireless. <laughs> okay, here's our last one, and this could be controversial. Red keyboards, yes or no? Red so, red, yeah, red, red keyboards. keyboards. So usually we're, we're thinking, Yeah, we're thinking of a particular brand. No. Yes or no? No. I'd expect <laughs> no less. I'd expect no less. That's great. Brother, <laughs> Brother Paul, it's been nothing short of an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Can't thank you enough for your time. You're an amazing individual, an amazing musician. Um, and it's an understatement saying the energy you bring to life and, and to what you do on stage. So yeah, really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you, man. And speaking of time, man, I just, today, I just launched my official Patreon page, man. So I've got tons of stuff that I'm going to be, I'm doing session shares, I'm coaching, I'm doing all kinds of cool stuff, man, to kind of give back and, and share my adventures with, with the fans. 
so uh so it's just launched man and i'll make sure you guys get a link to it and yeah uh, that'd be great we'll definitely share yeah. that's gonna be excellent yeah great thanks brother paul I, I actually checked that out uh this morning so I, I had a look at your intro video and it's really cool so again yeah definitely encourage all our listeners and, and viewers to to check that out it looks really great. exciting thanks brother great paul. Yeah, thank you guys so much, man. This has been so much fun. <laughs> you guys are so awesome. Amazing, Paul. That's all I can say. Amazing. What a great guy. Oh, just the energy. The energy and just the, the the genuineness of brother Paul was, was so cool. And, you know, we could have, we, <laughs> I think we say this every time we could have chatted to him for hours. He's just such a, a fun That's guy. Right. Yeah. Someone I would love to spend some time with either on stage or off. I can, I can see why he's so valued within uh, both the water boys and the other areas that he works. So no great stuff. Mm. So thank you everyone again for watching or listening. Uh, we'll be back again in a fortnight or so, but just a reminder, we do love hearing from you and you can keep in touch via a few means. Our website as always is www.keyboardchronicles.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash keyboard chronicles and on Twitter at the keyboard CHR1, which incidentally is how brother Paul and I um, initially communicated and organized this interview. So it, there's lots of fun stuff happening on Twitter um, if you like good old-fashioned email, then drop us a line at editor at keyboardchronicles.com. Uh, like Brother Paul, we do have a Patreon account, and we do really appreciate those of you that support us on Patreon, um, where for the price of a coffee a month, you can help us go from strength to strength, and that's www.patreon.com forward slash keyboardchronicles. And I'm really pleased to report that we are actually well and truly exceeding our deliverables. That sounds very business-like, Paul. We're, we're providing more bonus and extra content to our valued Patreon subscribers than what we actually promise. So we, we promise at least twice yearly bonus episodes. We're well and truly delivering above that and we're hoping to continue to do that. So definitely worth jumping on board if you want early access to some really interesting bonus content. Paul, couldn't have done it without you as always. Thank you, David. A pleasure to be part of it. Such fun. And uh, most importantly, too, as always, thanks to all of you out there for listening or watching, and we hope to see you back here next episode.